You're listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast, where we give you recovery nuggets to chew on and think about on your journey in recovery and on the path, featuring your host, David Clemen. What's up, all you recovery nuggets out there? This is David Clemen. I just wanted to touch base with you before the episode starts. The guest I have on this week is Angie Chaplin. She's a speaker, facilitator, coach, and owner of At Mindful Leadership 2020. She has been sober for quite some time now, and um, she also uses smart recovery techniques to stay sober. We have a wonderful conversation about early, well, what it was like, uh, what happened, and how she ended up in ICU, and how she has completely turned her life around by getting sober, and now she helps others with her experience. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Recovery Nuggets. I'm joined today by Angie Chaplin. She is in recovery and she is a mindful recovery coach. How are you, Angie? I'm doing very well despite the cold temperatures, but it's a sunny day. So all yeah. things are looking good. Yep. Well, it's funny. I actually am okay with the cold as long as it's sunny, but when it's cold and rainy, it kind of gets you to your bones, you know? Yes, and, I agree. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being here. And um, I, we connected on Instagram and we've kind of been following each other and interacting a bit. So I'm grateful to have you on the show and I uh, want to hear some of your story and how you ended up in recovery and how you are now a coach and, and what this looks like in your life. So, um, sure. you know, how did you, how did you end up here? My story really was a, it, like most journeys or at least journeys that I'm familiar with, it started very gradually. And I did not realize how much I was drinking, or I did not realize why I was drinking, or what I was, what void I was trying to fill with alcohol. In 2019, between really the end of 2018 through 2020, is when it hit multiple rock bottoms. For me, that meant multiple hospitalizations, not just for the detoxification part of it, but also for serious health crisis. I was dealing with chronic pancreatitis. Mm. I was dealing with liver, you know, liver failure uh, over, over a period of time. I would also suffer from... Um, a, a symptom where my blood sodium levels would get dangerously low. So I would be pre seizure. So it wasn't just, you might hear people talk about having the shakes when they stop drinking. For me, it was that just intensified to the point that I was having seizure like activity. So when I was hospitalized for the fifth time, which would have been January. Uh, January, February of 2020, I was in intensive care. I was in critical care and I don't remember a lot of it. What I do remember is horrific. It involves being physically restra restrained to the bed because I was pulling out IVs and becoming agitated. That is not me. That's not who I am. When I was getting discharged from the hospital, I had a doctor sit down and go through, you know, the usual discharge instructions. 
what he said hit me to my core. And he looked me straight in the eye and said that I had two choices. I could keep drinking and I would die. Or I could stop drinking and give myself a chance at a better life. I don't know if it was how he said it or his very direct, straight eye to eye delivery Uh that hit me, that stuck with me. So at that point, when I got out of the hospital, I entered an intensive outpatient treatment program that consisted of nine hours of in-person sessions a week that included individual substance abuse counseling and group therapy and meetings. And that was in February of 2020. I was committed to living an alcohol-free life. Six-ish weeks later, COVID hit. So it put a halt to the very structure and support that I had built my newfound sobriety on. So knowing that I was not in a position to go back, I panicked. And I looked at what other resources could I tap into? My background is in leadership development and organizational development. I have a master's degree in strategic communication and leadership. And I remembered an activity that I did in graduate school around 2005 that asked us to look at our values and understand the role that values plays for leaders in terms of what leadership behaviors they engage in. The power of that exercise came back to mind. And I just remembered how integral it felt at the time that I did it. And I thought, I wonder if I have just that that activity around anymore. I dug through a box of grad school materials and I found the exercise. I led myself through the same activity that we had done 10 years earlier in graduate school And I landed on my five core values. When I looked at those values, I realized that alcohol had no place in me living those values out in my life. No, can I stop you there? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. That's you know what I want to. What I was kind of envisioning was you are your whole life has been leadership and knowing what to do an organization. And yet you're in the hospital and they're basically saying you got to change. And my question is how, how difficult was that to accept? Because you're a person that people go to, they say, well, she, you know, Angie knows what to do. She's going to get us motivated yet. You can't stop drinking. You know, how did you um, surrender that in your mind that, Hey, I need to, I need to really, uh, look into this. This is number one now. Right. Absolutely. It was that loss of identity that I think caused me to lose touch with who I am, who I was, and who I thought I was supposed to be based on other people's perceptions. Mm. So being in a place of surrendering while also leaning into what I feel was my true power, the essence of my strength is what I had to, I had to give up some things, but I had to 
realize that what I had left was grounded in strength. And that's what I was able to lean on as I went through the struggles and continue to move forward toward living, loving and leading a successful alcohol-free life. It was, it, it's about doing the work every single day. And it still is. That's about, big time, yeah. Yeah, it still is about doing the work every single day. What I realized is it's so, it's being in recovery is so much more than just giving up the substance, whether that's alcohol or whether that's drugs or whether that's other type of addictive behaviors. That's the easy part, so to speak. That's just the cessation of doing something. Digging back, peeling back the layers of the onion to get at what led me to have this, this false sense of identity where, where was, what was I seeking to fill instead of looking at and sitting in with the feelings that were leading me to make those choices. That's where the real work begins and continues. Oh, 100%. And uh, so what have you found so far that you were that void you were trying to fill or the feelings or what, what have you discovered about yourself that drove you to that? Yes. What, what I found is that for much of my life, I was identifying with my roles. So part of the conversation from graduate school, as we went through the values or the context for it was that a faculty member asked me, who are you? And I said, you know, I'm Angie. I live in Iowa. And and I rattled off, you know, I'm a mom. I'm I, you know, all, all the roles that I played. And, And he stopped me and said, no, no. Who are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a human resources professional. I work in the nonprofit and I just kept going and going. And and he redirected me again and said, those are the roles that you play. Who are you? And I started to cry because I Mm. did not know who I was. And, and that was even before my struggles with alcohol worsened. So, you know, hindsight, of course, being able to look back then and to see, you know, I was trying on all of these different identities because I didn't know who or what my true identity was. And that's where I used alcohol because it was easier, I suppose, than trying to figure out what led me to alcohol in the first place. That's great. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us are conditioned to just kind of go along with these roles along the path. Yeah. And then we're like, well, I think I'm supposed to feel good about these, these choices I've made. Yep. And then we start to have a kind of an, a spiritual reckoning of like, oh, maybe I, I don't need that role anymore, or I don't have to fit that one. And for me, recovery is a lot of unlearning. Yes. You know, we sure. think it's all about learn this, learn that. I got to yeah. unlearn some conditioning as well. And yeah. um, I, I appreciate you sharing that because that's that's just as important as, you know, we got to put the thing down, food, mm-hmm. alcohol, sex, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Then there I am with me and who am I? Yeah. And what you just said reminds me of, I, I started uh, last, what would have been in In 2021 was the first time that I chose an intention word for the year. 
And that was guided through a friend of mine who teaches yoga and, and has been, she's, she's also sober and, and her recovery work has, has helped my own journey. And I chose the word becoming for 2021. So in retrospect, kind of retroactively, I chose the word unbecoming as my word of the year for 2020. The year that I got sober meant I had to unbecome from all of the false identities that I had created. And I don't mean that, you know, I, I mean that from a role perspective who I saw myself having to be, um, and I had to, I had to unlearn, I had to unfreeze all of those assumptions and perceptions. So then 2021 was about becoming, becoming the authentic version of myself becoming the truest version of myself. And now moving forward in 2022, my word for the year is emerge. After 2021, becoming all of the things that I am becoming, now it's time to emerge as someone who is living life to its fullest. I am not missing out on anything by being sober. I am opening up to so much abundance by being sober. Oh, you just said it right there. I mean, that abundance is a huge word. And and the imagery you just were sharing to me made me think of people in recovery as butterflies coming out of the cocoon. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and that's, that's a great message for someone that's new, someone that's been in recovery a while, or someone that's curious. Right. You know, right. and that's part of the reason I wanted to share this um, podcast and my experience and get other people's viewpoints on because there's not one particular way to emerge, recover, exactly. but the work is important. You know, that's, that's the foundation, you know, yes. and, and we've got to go inward. Yeah, we do. We do. Before we move forward, we have to go inward. Absolutely. And I do see, just to your point, I do see a recovery journey as being very unique and very individualistic to the person because there is no one right way. My way is different from your way and that doesn't make yours right and mine wrong. It makes it unique to who we are. So I looked at it and and continuing to go forward as choose your own adventure, which means I look at it as being one of the big Vegas buffet lines. Right. So when you go through this huge buffet with all the foods and all the snacks and treats, you take what looks good and you leave the rest. But you have to put yourself there. You have to experience different things, different tastes, different approaches in order to discover what feels right. Definitely. You have to leave the hotel room to get to the buffet. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And that's the isolation for me. You know, it's like in the end, I ended up in a room by myself, you know, but here I'm talking to you in Iowa and we're talking recovery. And, you know, I have a disclaimer at the beginning that says, you know, take what you need and leave the rest because what may work for you may not work for me, but it may help someone else, you know, and a lot of, and that's why I named it recovery nuggets. Like take what you can chew on. Yes. You know, if it works for you, that's great. It's something to think about. Yes. You know? absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing that. So what, um, what surprises have happened to you since you got sober? Wow. 
to me, it's like there's a scene in The Wizard of Oz where the film goes from black and white to Technicolor. That's what sobriety feels like for me. I remember, and and like many people, it took me multiple attempts. I'd stop drinking for a while and then I would get, you know, ambivalent and think, oh, I can have just one. That that lie, I think, or that that foolish notion that that persons who struggle with alcohol addiction might tell themselves. And people would say in meetings or counseling or group therapy how much better their life was. I just could not wrap my head around that. That made no sense to someone in active addiction. Now, on this side of alcohol, oh my gosh, I am living in full color. I am sharing my story. Obviously I am transparent. I am public. I am out there because if I can be a voice on behalf of people who are struggling in silence, I might serve as a beacon of light for them. I want people to know that living an alcohol-free life is not boring. It's not dull. It's not staying at home every night by myself. It can be if that's if that's what feels comfortable to someone, go for it. However, I know that I am intentionally pursuing activities that I would never have done while I was drinking. So it, it's 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 irony, really, because I drank to get a better understanding of who I was by when I was with people, but yet I drank by myself at home. Right. So it was, it it, it was really the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. And the same is true with sobriety. You know, I, I, I travel on my own. I put myself in situations where, you know, just because I'm drinking, I'm still with my friends. I'm still enjoying dancing. I'm still enjoying restaurants. I am not ashamed to be sober. That's great. I mean, those are beautiful surprises. And like, when I got clean, um, I always described it as like, I'm, I'm living in a new city, but I'm in the same city because I don't go to this, those old haunts that I used to go. Right. I've discovered new places and new things that I like. And it, and kind of going back to what you were sharing about who are you, I'm still discovering things about myself that I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I like that. You know, like I love to work in the garden and, and my girlfriend and I are very big into our plants and we love to go to the mountains and trout fish and, um, you know, we love to cook. And so all of those things, you know, uh, if drinking or drugs weren't involved, I wasn't interested. It just seemed like it was going to be a square, you know, I was going to be a square to, you know, I'm like, yeah, "Eh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. It kind of sounds boring, but, um, yeah, recovery just opens up a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. Another area of surprise for me was the fact that I'm okay being by myself, that I, I do, I cherish my alone time. I love the fact that I can be 
alone and I can do, you know, my gratitude practice or my mindfulness practice and be okay with being by myself. That is something I never would have felt comfortable doing. So even though I am a very strong extrovert, I do have more intense introverted qualities than I ever would have recognized before. Oh, sure. And you know what, go back to your, tell me about your gratitude practice. My gratitude practice is a gratitude journal. Uh, that just started um, recently with with buying an actual journal. Prior to that, mine was simply writing down before I went to sleep. I had a notepad at the at, beside my bed, and I wrote down three good things from that day. That felt more intentional to me than simply saying three things I was grateful for. Because what I was finding for me is that I was always saying the same three things. I'm grateful for my sons. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my dog. I'm, you know, all just kind of this, not superficial, but obvious things to be grateful for. So by challenging myself to write down three good things, that might be the fact that someone held the door open for me when I was going into the store. That might be an unexpected message from a high school friend. So it was being grateful for the seemingly small things that I probably would have taken for granted and not not elevated to the point of expressing gratitude for them. That's great. So that, and then now... Um, I have a gratitude journal that I do at night and and it's similar, but what I like about it is it pulls in, you know, surprises or unexpected, um, unexpected gratitudes that happened today. So it kind of, you know, it, it gives me that opportunity to reflect on my day and think about, you know, the people or the things that they did that I'm grateful for. That's, that's been a very big part of my practice. That's great. I, uh, when I started mine, I didn't even know I was spelling grateful G R E A T versus how it's spelled because of my ego grateful. I'm great. You know? And then I noticed in the gratitude journal where I realized, you know, our perceptions were so skewed when we were drinking or using that even the spelling of the word grateful, I thought I knew, but I didn't. And so, you know, gratitude has, really transformed my life. And like, I noticed that you post about the law of attraction and the secret and stuff like that. Yes. And I remember in the documentary, they showed, um, I believe it was a man in Africa where they, they paint gratitude rocks. Mm -hmm. And when I first got clean, I started going out and finding gratitude rocks and I would paint them and I would give them to people. And so if I didn't have much money when I got clean and I realized that if I had this gratitude rock in my pocket, I at least had something to, this is kind of how I started my journey and friends in recovery around here will still come up to me. Remember when he gave me that gratitude rock and it's just, uh, I was always entitled, you know, I've always felt entitled, like I deserve this or whatever. And so I wasn't appreciative of what I actually had. Mm -hmm. I was, I had that entitlement thing going on. And so gratitude has really helped me realize what I have is enough. 
and yeah. to look for the small details of life. And it, and it's like you said, someone holding the door for me or seeing the, the bud on a rose or a flower or whatever, walking the dog and she's got a pink sweater. Um, these are the things that enrich my life today. And uh, yeah. so I really, that's why I wanted to um, hear your gratitude practice. And I wanted to uh, go back to how you said you were okay being alone. You know, there's a difference between like <clears throat> isolation when we're, when we're drinking, we're hiding and all that other stuff. Whereas in recovery, we can learn to have solitude and be okay writing in our gratitude journal and not having to go out and not feeling fear of missing out as the kids say FOMO. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had two big opportunities just in the past couple of months. My son is a college football player and we uh, made it to the big 10 championship in Indianapolis I am single and wanted to go to that game. I did not let the fact that I was sober and I was single keep me from going to that game. Yeah. I planned ahead. I reached out to other football families. I have a couple of sober allies who are also uh, fans of Iowa Hawkeye football. They were going. So I was able to be very strategic and plan it out ahead of time. And I think that is that is necessary when we find ourselves ready to explore new territories or try new things as an individual in recovery. That was, that was successful, uh, had a great time. Then uh, a few weeks later, had the opportunity to go to Florida for the Citrus Bowl. I love it. Same thing went by myself, but I was not alone. I was, I, there were times that I went up to my hotel room and just kind of chilled and listened to my music and, and just kind of re-centered or got grounded again. But otherwise, you know, it was new year's Eve. It was new year's day. I was in the, the hotel lobby with other adults drinking their beverages and I asked the bartender to make me a club soda with a splash of orange juice. Sure. No one questioned me. Well, what are you drinking? Why are you not drinking? Thankfully, it didn't come up. If someone had said, you know, can I buy you a drink? I would have said, yeah, that's great. I'd love a club soda and orange juice or a club soda and lime or whatever it is. I, and if they, if they questioned me, you know, if it's somebody that I don't know very well, I don't feel the need to go back into my whole story, no. but I would simply say I am happier and healthier when I don't drink. And oh, I like that. that that's I like all that. I need to say. Yeah. 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 And um, early on in, you know, recovery, I learned that if I'm going to go to an event where there is alcohol and I'm not comfortable, especially if I go with someone, um, you know, I create a hand signal and say, mm-hmm. Hey, if you see me do this, um, will you just come with me outside so I can, we can talk, maybe I'm uncomfortable. And that way you're not trying to explain to someone that may be drinking what's going on. It it's, doesn't really concern them. It's more about my boundary and my well-being. Yes. And so there's little things that you can do. And like, I like what you said, you have something prepared to say, as well as you have a plan to do that. Because one thing I've noticed is that just because I go on vacation, my old ways of thinking you know, don't go on vacation. They're still there. So I have to, I have to stay vigilant in my recovery. Yes. Yes. 
there will be triggers sure. all over the place. That's that's what life is. We can't control what we can't control. However, I can control how I respond to it. That's where the magic happens. When I become aware of a trigger and I go according to plan because I've thought it out ahead of time or I reach out to someone when I'm feeling off a little bit. I I remember the substance abuse counselor that I worked with before COVID, he said something, a support system only works if you use it. That continues to be a big part of my journey because even though I have these individuals in my life, if I get stuck, not even with alcohol anymore for me, but if I'm in a an uncomfortable emotional spot to turn to my support system. That's why they're there. It's not about me feeling guilty or feeling shameful or, you know, being humiliated about asking for support. It's me being clear on what I need to continue moving forward. Yeah. I love that. And, um, you know, over the years, I'm a 12 stepper, but I have sponsored uh, men over the years. And I said, you know, I was a big drunk dialer mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you can take that and turn it into an asset. Now, when I'm in trouble or, or I need to talk, I have recovery dial. Yeah. So you can always take something that was a negative and turn it into an asset. You know? And that's, that's worked for me as well. And one thing I've also noticed is that the more I call when things are good or okay, the more likely I am to call someone when I really need help. Because if you just wait, the phone will just kind of feel so heavy, like, oh, I'll be bothering them or they won't, they'll be like, why is he calling me with this? But it's the other thing I've found is when you call people, usually they're really psyched that you called them because they may have something going on. That's right. That's right. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, So as far as your recovery now, um, your coach, how, how has that transitioned into your mindful recovery? I am a former college faculty member. So after graduate school, uh, I was invited back to be a, an instructor. So I have a background in higher education. I'm used to writing courses and building a curriculum and a program. I'm comfortable in a virtual environment as well as an in-person environment. So with previous classroom experience, both face-to-face and in-person, my coaching is about community. You noticed earlier when we were chatting that one of my favorite quotes is the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is human connection by Johan Hari. I truly believe in the power of community and the power of connection by offering online courses that are instructor led. I've written the curriculum. I lead the courses. They are both uh, online, but also engaging and interactive. We are in a safe space to share stories and we learn with and from each other. So my coaching is about the power of connection and the power of community. My flagship course is called Lead Yourself First. It combines my background as a certified master in leadership development by 
integrating addiction recovery pathways. I believe that leadership starts within. When I lead myself as a person in recovery, I am sober. I am clean. I am leading a life that is authentic and aligned with my values. That's where the course Lead Yourself First comes in because it pulls in tools from smart recovery. I'm also a certified smart recovery facilitator. Oh, so good. It, I want to hear about that. Yes. Yes. It uses self-empowering science-backed programs and practical tools that give people the opportunities to reflect and assess and develop and reinforce. Smart recovery is a, it's an international program that is built on a framework of four points. Point number one is building and maintaining motivation. Point number two is cope with urges. Point number three is manage thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And then the fourth point is living a balanced life. So I facilitate free weekly virtual meetings. My meetings are Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. And during that one hour meeting, I will pick one of the four points and then dive into a tool from Smart Recovery. Uh, usually that involves a worksheet or a handout or some type of interactive uh, exercise. And then we talk about it. We talk about how is that um, how does that apply to our own individual journeys? Smart recovery is open to anyone who is pursue, pursuing a life beyond addiction. So it's it's open to individuals who are pursuing um, the opportunity to overcome any addiction. That's great. I um, Since I've started this podcast, I started checking out other programs. Um, Smart recovery is one of them. Refuge recovery, because, you know, some people don't, they, they just can't, the 12 steps don't re align with them. It doesn't right. resonate, but right. there are many other options out there. So I would actually like to come and check out your yeah. uh, meeting on a Sunday night. So yeah, I'll get that the ID from you. Yep. And, um, yep. And the link is on my Facebook page. I have a Facebook okay. page yep. for mindful recovery. The, uh, I set each week up as a link so okay. that a person can go in on, a, on an individual week. The link is always the same. So once okay. someone a Zoom link, they can attend. It's not a sequential meeting per se. So somebody can come one week and if it doesn't work for them the next week, that's sure. okay. Uh, but yes, it's open to people all over the world, really. I have some international yeah. uh, followers and friends who take part in those meetings also. Oh, this is great. This is great. Cause I've, you know, I've heard about it and I, I popped on one in my local area and, um, it just didn't work out that night, but I think that I could get a lot out of it. Cause I'd like to be able to direct people to that as an option, you know, because it's, it's really, we, we're really trying to find our path and recovery and what works for us. It's not about yeah. rigid. It's, there's no rigidity in recovery. No, um, there isn't. You know, we, we bump our heads and we, you know, get back on the path as soon as we can versus like totally getting lost in the forest. Yeah. And even smart recovery was something I discovered just last October. I was yeah. already, or, or I was already sober by the time I learned more about smart recovery. There's, yes. it, it's just having that open mind and having that growth mindset yes. of being a lifelong learner. 
And for me, that goes back to my leadership development work because being an effective leader is about being a lifelong learner. The same is true for recovery. Yeah. And it goes back to the connection and the community that we were talking about. If I can find a group of people that are like-minded, no matter what the modality, um, it's, it's a huge help. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if you felt this way, but I know I did when I was in early recovery, I thought I was the only one. I didn't know there were people my age in Iowa professionals or executives who were struggling with the same struggles I had. I did. I had no idea. Now it's a joy to be surrounded by individuals with whom I can share my struggles, but share my successes too. And that's, that's another very awesome surprise that recovery brought. I love that. And, um, you know, we hear a lot about consequences, but the definition of, of consequences is just really the result of an action. And there's lots of positive consequences that we don't really hear about. We only hear of negative consequences, but doing the work and finding community and sharing and finding your people, there's so many positive consequences to that. Yeah. So I really much. appreciate that. I wanted to ask you about your, so you have two sons and yes. you were one way before you got sober, you ended up in ICU. How are, how has this helped your relationships with your sons? Oh my goodness. It is a thousand percent better uh, to have my two adult sons, young adults, I like to think, but my sons say to me on a regular basis, mom, I'm so proud of you. Mom, you inspire me. That, oh my goodness, that's, that just, I can't describe how powerful of a feeling that is. The opportunity to know that despite the fact that I wasn't the best mom that I know that I could have been, I certainly am now. And they are appreciative of the conversations that we're able to have. They saw me at my worst. Now they are experiencing me at my best. Totally present. Totally present, yet also um, grateful, of course, and, and acknowledging when I'm stressed or when I'm overwhelmed or describing exactly how I'm feeling. And, and being able to have that conversation with them. I, I'm, I'm truly blessed. Yes. I'm close that's, to both of them. And, and it's just an honor. That's awesome. I mean, I just, I just imagine you going to those football games if you weren't, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's just fantastic. That you were able to do that and that the relationships and it's very a hopeful way to kind of wrap this up. So I, I thank you for sharing that because, uh, you know, people need to hear that relationships and families that may be really fractured can improve and they can heal with sobriety. So thank you for sharing that. So before we get off here, um, this is the recovery nuggets podcast. So what would you say are your, what are some recovery nuggets that you would like to share with someone listening today? The biggest nugget that I would share is to, discover or rediscover one's values. 
that was the catalyst for me to understand who I was by looking at my five values, which are love, growth, gratitude, connection, and well-being. When I make decisions or choose actions, I am grounded in those values. Without having clarity on our values, we are typically adopting someone else's values or living a life that someone else or our perception of what someone else expects expects us to live. So to me, that's the biggest nugget is to clarify your values and then to make sure that you are aligning your behaviors accordingly. Otherwise, we deal with an internal struggle or cognitive dissonance is kind of a fancy way of talking about that. When I have uncertainties, I use my values to help me make important decisions in life. And that gives me the clarity I need to move forward. Other than values, I would say the next biggest nugget would be the connection and using the opportunity to build a community and build a a tribe, uh, whatever that might look like. And, And maybe that's just a few people. It doesn't have to be huge. It, it needs to have people who will be there when I need them to be. And that's that's the other nugget would be celebrating the opportunity to connect and build community. I love it. I love it. And yeah, it, you know, your network does not have to be huge. It just quality. Exactly. Emotionally reliable. So that's, man, those are great. I really appreciate you being here. And um, you can find Angie at angiechaplin.com. And that has all her stuff. Tell me about the, uh, before we go, you have some cards that. Yes. As a, yep. As a result of really my epiphany several years ago or a couple of years ago, when I applied the values discovery to my own recovery journey, I self-published a deck of values to vision cards. It gives individuals the opportunity to do that discovery or that, that rediscovery process of understanding what is really important, what matters most to them. So I offer values encounters that include the deck of cards plus a one-on-one coaching session with me to kind of dig a little bit deeper into those values. I also offer, and we'll have one coming up soon, a virtual values to vision workshop, which is where we use the, the values encounter and then expand that into creating a vision board. The the values to vision cards, probably from a tool perspective, have been the biggest tool in my recovery toolbox. And those are available on my website just to purchase the decks of cards or to schedule a one-on-one values encounter with me. Great. Great. Everyone go check her website out. And um, you know, I'm sure we're we're gonna collaborate some more in the future. This has been great. And um I will I will give you the info and let you know when your episode is going to be up and. Perfect. Thanks again for listening to recovery nuggets podcast. We want to thank our guests this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Instagram at recovery nuggets podcast. And the email is recovery nuggets podcast 
at gmail.com. Also like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple and be great. If you leave a five-star review that really helps out the podcast and uh, really want to thank you for showing up for your recovery today. Disclaimer, Recovery Nuggets podcast and guests are not representatives of any 12-step program. I am not a doctor, counselor, or therapist. I share my experiences, strength, and hope. Guests of the show share their personal experiences and opinions. Take what you like and leave the rest. Each person's journey in recovery is unique. Thank you for listening to Recovery Nuggets podcast. (laughs) 